Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steyer-Blondie. This is Roland Ozebal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Ding dong, it's Drizzly. Someone sent you holiday drinks. Hey, thanks. Can I guess what it is? Eggnog from a friend? I don't think so. A vintage red for dinner with the in-laws tonight? How did you know I'm going? Or is it apology scotch from your neighbors for driving through your lawn? What? That was Randy? Aw, it's a mezcal for my dad. Wow. Is he single? Download the Drizzly app for alcohol delivery or order online at drizly.com. What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 115 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnson from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host who will be joining me shortly is Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. In this week's episode, Mike and I will be discussing some of our favorite albums, the albums that influenced us when we were young and the albums that still influence us today. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Adam Deitch of the band Lettuce and a million other projects. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out the LP Uptown Congas. We'll get to a bunch of your listener questions. And as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Wait a minute. <laughs> Dude, it was so spot on on my side. I was like, wait, how did you do that? Did you really snap on four? Yeah, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was epic. One, two, three, four. So that, so that means that you're like... One quarter Do you remember that scene in uh, Lethal Weapon where they're trying to decide how to pull Murtaugh off the toilet? Yeah, <laughs> that was you. <laughs> Wow. I think I was listening was, to a lot of reggae this morning, and it just made me think on the I guess feet. so. <laughs> Jump the gun. You know what? I was listening to uh, Matt Halpern's podcast, and they all did the same thing. They were interviewing, I think, maybe Benny Greb, and it was the same thing. They were like, how do we get this line? Because I don't think they do a lot of Skype interviews. They do mostly in-person stuff oh, or phone yeah. stuff. And so, yeah, they were. They, it was good to know that we're not the only ones that have to... <laughs> <laughs> struggle with count-ins and the delay that the wonderful world of Skype gives us. But you, you know what? Ten years ago, this wouldn't have even been possible. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. I think. All's good. 
I got a good night's sleep. <laughs> what was finally. that? What was that delay? <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of the, like, I, I hadn't thought about how my week has been until right when you were asking the question. I'm like, I think it's been okay. I think so. I think I'm all right. I think I'm all good, right. Good, man. All good, good, buddy. Good stuff, man. Well, um, so we should mention to our listeners, it looks like we're going to have enough people to start to move forward with the 2018 Dawson Johnston McLean drum camp. So uh, we are going to contact the Full Moon Resort and start moving that into action. But please, once again, if you guys are interested in coming to the three-day camp between myself, Mike Dawson, and Carter McLean, let us know. We're starting to narrow down the topics now. It looks like we're going to be pushing towards musicianship as our main topic and how to make sure that everything that you're playing is applicable to music, talking about your sound, your touch on the instrument, and just going deep into what gives myself, Carter, and Mike our own sounds, and then how we apply our you know our skills to music and how to practice that stuff absolutely i think that's the key yeah. too is okay now i know what to do how do i start chipping away at this um and that's i think it would be great too for our our attendees to really start to decide well what do you wish you were because there's a there's such a different way to attack practicing if you're going to be a gigging drummer versus you wish you were a kind of a bedroom session drummer doing tracks for people online versus being a touring drummer so all those different outcomes that you might be hoping for have a different attack as well so we'll go through all of that stuff so yeah send your uh send your request to uh, mdinfo at moderndrummer.com and just title it drum camp and let us know that you're interested in taking one of the slots and then we will just start moving forward and we'll keep you in the loop right away did you ever practice how to play on big stages absolutely you did Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, so there was a drummer, uh, that you probably don't know, but he's, he's my hero. I talked about him in my cover story, uh, with modern drummer. Uh, his name is Chris Robine. He was in a band called far and then far ended up, um, disbanding. And now he's in a band called black map. That is just incredible. Total rock band. We should actually cover them because we're missing out rock bands and they are a rock band uh do you remember a band called dredge did you ever hear that oh yeah of course so i think it's the singer from dredge okay um i'm I'm not sure of the lineup but but anyways chris and i we used to live together and he was he they were already signed to immortal his band far and we had our drum sets facing each other in the garage and we would just stage show shed instead of shedding licks we're shedding like how to look good on stage and how to keep our cardio up for 45 minutes and then when he eventually left on tour full-time from that moment on i never had a practice space that didn't have a a mirror directly in front of the drum set and i always practiced how i looked on stage to give because i always tried to think like wait why is tommy lee so damn popular like i mean he's a a great drummer but at the time i was listening to dennis chambers and and even in the rock world i was like well rod morgenstein's that next level but Tommy looked great. Then we got Travis Barker, and he looked great. And I thought, man, if I could just add a little bit of that into my playing, it would really change the perception of the non-drummer as they're in the crowd watching me play. I don't need to impress the four drummers out of the 10,000 people. I need to impress the 9,996 <laughs> non-drummers. <laughs> Yee, that was That's interesting. Close. I mean, I, I used to... I've always practiced – well, not always. When I did practice with a mirror, it was to make sure I wasn't moving too much. And I never once tried <laughs> So you were to practicing like, technique. Yeah, it was just optimizing yep. my emotions and, and not you know, overexerting myself. But That's how I practice now because I'm not playing live. I'm, yeah. I'm playing to, for sound. But when my entire kind of career rested on another band seeing me play live and saying, hey – 
we want you to be in our band. We want you to do our album. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you this. It, you have to commit. It, it really threw me off when I first went into the studio with my band and did my first like major label album. The producer just completely made fun of me. I mean, he was like, oh, what are you, you doing? It. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you... Like I was literally doing this sweep thing between two 20-inch crash cymbals. He's like, you know no one can see that, and you're hitting two of the exact same cymbals. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm doing crossover crash licks. That's and- amazing. Oh, man, by the way, I, I, you know, we dropped in that, that clip from your first YouTube video last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People should know that that was me like 11 years ago. I don't want them to think, uh, who wrote the article? Um do you remember uh, oh. that we were covering? Someone wrote that article. I don't want them to think that was that person. Oh, no, that was Matt, Matt Starr's article. Yeah, no. yeah. I don't want them to think that was say, like that horrible sound <laughs> on a 13-inch Tom with a PG-56 mic with no decent mixing board. That was me going out of a mixing board into a JVC camcorder. So but I don't want Matt Starr to get blamed for, for that. You were going for yeah, it. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, even in the video, I mean... If you guys haven't seen it, you got to check it out. At the end of that video, you went for it, man. You were doing I have, like, I have crossover symbol crossover <laughs> I had just come off the road. I didn't know how to not do that stuff. It was badass. Uh, I was like, dang, that's a that's a young buck over there going for it. <laughs> I, was, I was swinging for the fences, man. Swinging for the fences. Uh, well, we won't anyways. be covering that at our drum camp. Maybe. I don't think so. No. <laughs> if you want to know how to play one by Metallica with a single pedal, I'm happy to show you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some good stuff right away. I want to talk about... <clears throat> favorite albums now this can be favorite of all time or something that's kind of new to you you know and one thing i noticed from this is i'm not sure there's a lot of i try to stay up on music as much as i can but i don't know if it's an it's a generation thing but albums and music are now separate to me as far as there was a time when people really concentrated on creating a 10 song set list to put down in a recording and to really take you on a journey. And I haven't found a ton of those lately. Cause as I was going through my favorites, I was like, uh, oh, 1993, mm-hmm. 72, yep. 84. And I'm like, wait, where's the 2017? <laughs> yeah. So I think we can kind of discuss that too. And I'm interested to see what you have to, what you've chosen. Cause we did this by ourselves. So why don't you start first? Give me one of your first albums. Okay. So my approach was, kind of not thinking too much about it and what were some of the first records that popped in my mind if I thought All right, I need some inspiring drumming what am I going what am I going to put on that was okay you know and and ask me today it'll be different than what it will be next week it's totally like Absolutely. currently what have what has been catching my ear uh, I rediscovered I don't know if you saw my Instagram post but I rediscovered this Coltrane record with Roy Coltrane. Haynes yep. and to hear Roy Haynes play with the John Coltrane quartet is at first, it's jarring because you're like, "That's not Elvin. What is going on?" But then it's a totally different. The intensity is still there, but it's a totally different, like, kind of floaty, more vibe. I mean, it's awesome. So the album is called "Dear Old Stockholm," and it's got Roy Haynes on it, going deep with a John Coltrane quartet, and it's it's up there. I mean, it's it's one of those that it, as soon as I put it on, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go like climb a mountain or do something like really adventure. okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get into it then uh I, I i saw you post that and uh, i also saw how cool it was and maybe this spurred this topic but just that a listener said 
my last five albums have been from you and Mike. Oh yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. It's like, you know, I, this podcast, I've said it many times, but I wanted this podcast to be what modern drummer magazine was for me as a child. And honestly, all of my albums came from the back of modern drummer magazine. You know, there's no way I would have known who Bill Bruford was right without, you know, I remember actually, it's so funny, the timeline of this stuff, because Bill Bruford was somebody that came to me as he wrote a book called When in Doubt Roll. I was like, oh, he must be a decent educator. <laughs> right. That's how I heard about him. And then I was like, oh, he's even been in a band. <laughs> you know, and then first I was like, works. whoa. <laughs> yeah, first works by Bill Bruford. But so anyway, so that's really cool that we're able to do that. All right, well, my first, let's, let's stay on the topic right now of inspirational drumming stuff. So I'm listening to something to get my creative juices flowing for for drumming and mine would be a 2009 album it was maxwell's resurface to the music world and it's called black summer's night and that has uh, the great chris daddy dave on it and that i can't even explain how those songs are approached drumming wise in a way that would never occur to me until he did it and then i'm like that's genius yeah that it, it, it honestly it's my favorite thing that um, Chris Dave has ever done. It's mm-hmm. the songs are beautiful. It actually is what you would want from somebody who left the music scene in the in the mid to late nineties. Speaking of Maxwell, almost went into like you know uh, hiding. I got I, no one knew where he was. Him and D'Angelo, they just went off together and just right. said, "Let's just yeah. go on vacation for a decade." <laughs> well, when you come back, you better have a reason to come back. And I really felt that Maxwell knocked it out of the park with that one, and it was like. Uh, this is an album. So the, once again, the album is Black Summer's Night by Maxwell. Uh, so real quick, let's just give it a listen. All right, so on the on the similar lines for me, which would be the totally unexpected, but once you hear it, you can't hear the drumming any differently. Record would be okay, yeah. The Bill Frizzell record, "Gone Like a Train" with Jim Keltner. That's mm. one that I can put on and fall asleep to. That's one I can put on while I'm working. It's one I can put on and get totally inspired to play drums and be creative. Uh, and it's Keltner doing everything that Keltner is so beautiful at he's just a magician you don't know if he's hitting snare drums if he's shaking maracas if he's scraping brushes you have no idea what he's doing it grooves like crazy this was when he was in the era of uh everything was a snare drum he had snares on all of his toms and everything so you hear tight snares and deep snares and it's it's like it sounds like just four or five people playing drums and percussion you know i don't think he gets enough credit for being as um forward thinking as he is yeah. mean, so many trends that became like full-on instagram youtube trends were yeah. started by him yeah. but since he's not out there on social media pushing you know taking the credit for it someone else gets the credit but i mean when you say like the era i'm like oh you mean yesterday like that's <laughs> happening right now like unbelievable, yeah but no he man. was done and what's he he's so cool because he's always been making his own instruments i mean uh, whenever he, like a new shaker comes out or whatever, he you know immediately think, well, Keltner would love this, but then you realize he probably made something very similar to that. He was the first guy I ever saw tape drumsticks to maracas so he could play both right. at once. So yeah, that record. If you don't, if you're not familiar with Jim Keltner, I think that's a great place to start. It's called Gone Like a Train, 
by Bill Frizzell. Here's a bit of the opening cut. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to pick that up. I, I saw there's some uh, um, iTunes movie that you can get uh, or movie that you can get on iTunes, but I think it's called Icons of Jazz. I can't remember. It maybe came out like five or ten years ago. Really heavy on like um, Nicholas Payton, Robert Glasper, mm. uh, walking you through the Young, Lion, young Lions. It kind of starts at the Young Lions and moves us into today's jazz. But there was quite a bit on Bill Frizzell there, and I'd never heard of him. And I was like, this sounds like it's right up my chill alley. Like, oh, yeah. Float tank, yeah. Bill Frizzell. Good to go. Well, you know, he did a couple of records with our boy Matt Chamberlain. So if, if you don't know those, you got to get those. So there's okay, two records cool. with Matt. I think there's two records. They're Floratone, F-L-O-R-A-T-O-N-E. That's Bill Frizzell with Matt Chamberlain doing his thing. But then there's two records with Keltner, Gone Like a Train, and I think the other one is like, good dog happy man or something like that nice uh, great awesome stuff. well i'll definitely check it out all right let's do one more drum related record uh, and and when i say drum related i'm not we're not trying to pick the craziest drum record ever what mike and i are talking about is when an album's drumming inspires us doesn't matter what the genre is mm. so we'll do one more of those and then we can each pick one that's not drum related but it's just music related but uh so the next one for me that was a huge thing in my past, but every time I come back to it and listen to it, it actually stands the test of time. I don't feel like it's dated at all. I absolutely love the drumming, and that would be White Pony by the Deftones. Ooh, I, agree. I think that yeah. those are probably some of the most recognizable grooves of all time. If you're a rock you know, fan, as soon as you hear any of the beats on there, yeah. it doesn't matter. It could just be the 10-inch tom to the snare on My Own Summer. Doom cat. And the, I mean, oh. and the sounds in that record are so good. Absolutely. Un- unbelievable. So if you guys don't know Abe Cunningham's playing, you should check it out. He's, he's incredible. But this this record also had a song. I can't remember if it was like a came out later or if it's on the actual album or maybe the special edition. But <laughs> I don't want to go too behind the scenes. But I remember Abe telling me we're doing a song called Back to School. And in Abe vernacular there was lots of uh acronyms and lots of cussing going on so i I didn't know what was happening (laughs) but he's like we're taking the entire rock world that's copying us all these wannabe deftones bands and we're taking them back to school and when you listen Uh, to the lyrics of it and you know that about it it's really quite cool because as a sacramento musician you know we follow the deftones pretty closely and every time they'd put out an album you would you could say to yourself oh so that's the next three years of rock Meaning everyone's yeah. about to do this now because the Deftones just reinvented themselves again, and Abe reinvented everything, and and you know, and so yeah, so White Pony by the Deftones, that's one of those ones where it's very up there for me. When every groove is something you, every groove from that album could be a drum lesson. So let's take a listen. So I've, I've met and hung out with Abe a few times, and I never can get a feel for if he's always being goofy or if he's just 
putting on a show. I don't. It's like, is he just goofy all the time? He is. Okay, it's, but it's 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 the coolest goofy that you can imagine. You know, because I I mean, we spent a little bit of time together on the road in uh, Europe doing festival tours together, and yeah, I mean, he's just he's just amped on life. There, yeah. There's nothing that he's not passionate about. So if you pull out a pair of sticks, he's like. Dude, is that the sugar maple? Show me that sugar maple. <laughs> like he's so into everything. And so he's quite an inspiring guy to be around. And then when he plays drums, it's just like, wow, that's that's not an accident. That dude put in the time, put I in the work. I have his signature stick here I'm reviewing right now, and it's called Cool Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> right that's right that's up. perfect. Can you see that right on the <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. The Abe nice Cunningham now. Cool Breeze. I'm assuming it's Hickory, knowing how hard he hits. Yeah. It's got yeah, a it yeah. Can't be. It's it's a pretty beefy stick, but you know what? It's not like a it's not a, a club. Okay, cool, man. All right, you're up. Last okay. album. Where am I Give at? me so, something that's like musically inspiring to you. Hmm. But we're talking drum records, though. This is my yeah, last but drum I, but I mean, okay, okay, okay. Here's oh, one. that's right. This is the this is musically and drumming inspired. It it was a seismic shift when I first heard this record and when I heard her explain the concepts behind it. So it is Susie Ibarra's album Drum Sketches. It's mostly Whoa. short little snippets of drum solos, but there's there the term sketches is very literal. She's literally thinking visually of sketching a picture. It's not a linear event. You're not going intro verse chorus bridge chorus it's just okay i'm playing an event right now and it it just ceases to have any kind of sense of time and it just changed everything for me that drumming can just be something that just exists and it's just sounds that have no sense of beginning or ending it's just sound Mm. so it's awesome there's some stuff on there that's that's influenced by gamelan and uh, just some cool stuff so it's they're drum solos but they're not really they're like little and she's the she's the drummer it's just solo drums. Yeah, Susie Ibarra. But, I mean, she's the one that plays. Okay, I've yep. never heard of her. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, she's awesome. She's kind of known in the, the downtown New York kind of improv scene for, for years. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. But that's kind of like her most, like, drum set oriented. There's, like, some cool stuff with brushes. It just sounds really neat. And she's got loops of, like, children playing and stuff or whatever. It's just really cool. It's a good, just interesting listen. Drum sketches by do you know Susie how old- Ibarra. How old? So I was going to say, do you know how old the album is? Yeah. Oh, it's it's probably 10 years. Okay, so you've done three now or two? You've done three. That's number three. So that record came out in 2008. So literally almost a decade ago. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. let's let's give it a resurgence. Let's check that thing out. Very cool. Um, okay, so we're going to do one more? Well, we'll do – man, I got two. If we're going to pick, like, music, okay. I've got two. So maybe we can do a twofer if, if you got okay. it or I'll do I've got, I've got two. Related. I've got two in me. Okay. I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, let's see. Man, it's – I'm looking at my list and I'm like, these are, like, so important. But we can always come back to this topic, right? Yeah. And we could just throw okay. in some, some and and uh, and more at the end. Here. Okay. Okay. Let's do that then. Then I, I got to say, as far as listening to an album that I love to listen to, I actually just bought the record, that the LP, to play on my 
turntable. Uh, I'm going to go with 1993's Ten Summoner's Tales oh. by Sting with Vinnie Caliuta on drums. That is the, to me, that was the creation of the implied quarter note pulse over odd time signatures. I'd never heard anyone do that. I'm sure lots of people had done that, but I hadn't heard it, and I definitely had not heard an odd time song on the radio at the time. Yeah, I was like, right. and it was all because of that implied quarter note pulse on the ride cymbal bell yeah. or on the hi hats. So that thing's got um, what St. Augustine in hell, which is in seven. Right. It's got seven days in five. Um, it's got love is stronger than justice, which is the craziest seven, eight that goes into a dang train like a, beat, yeah, train beat, <laughs> like a two step. <laughs> And it's all, and it's like, wait, this is a country tune in seven. It's got like pedal steel guitar almost in it. So, um, so yeah, so that album really was mind blowing to me because as a fan of Genesis and Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel, I always just wanted someone to push the envelope even one step further while still maintaining the pop sensibilities and the pop writing style. Cause I still like pop. I like catchy choruses and good verses and a, and a good bridge and sting was able to do that on the album so it's called 10 summoners tales by sting and it's from 1993 vinnie calido on drums let's give it a listen Okay, so, hmm, what do I mm. pick? This is almost like a draft. I know, it's like a mock draft. Like I, I'm trying. To, I was trying to be too smart with one of my picks, so that's off. Even though it's, it's awesome. All right, <laughs> that's <though> awesome. <laughs> okay, so for me, this I'm still digging into this artist, um, Fela Kuti. Best of the Black President mm. is a compilation of some of his most uh, classic Afrobeat songs uh, for me fella Kuti's music which is uh, tony allen on drums represents how to be extremely groovy and funky and play stuff that makes absolutely no sense in a pop rock <laughs> context the drum right. parts are backwards yeah. they're they're part reggae they're part r r&b they're they're part funk it's like james brown if he was born and raised in africa for me like right okay that's a great a, that's a great analogy so his music is so funky in the groove so i always go to that when i'm like all right i'm tired of playing two and four let me find something to rip off from tony allen and there's a lot of his nice. songs where the intro might be just the guitar or something or just like shaker hitting downbeats that you think are downbeats and it ends up not being the downbeat there's a lot of that kind of deceptive right. stuff really cool so that's my last choice Felicuti, Tony Allen, Best of the Black President. That's that's followed very close behind by Bob Marley Legend. It's just a record I can mm-hmm. throw on twenty four seven and and enjoy it. Same thing. Yeah. The drums are unpredictable and super inspiring. But for today, it's Felicuti, Best of the Black President, Tony Allen. <laughs> Nice. Well, I'm going to wrap it up with something similar. This is an album. I wanted to bring something from the modern day because it was like, dang, living in the 90s. And then I felt old. Uh, so this is an album, and I do need to look up the drummer. Maybe you can look up the drummer 
so the the artist is Laura Mavula, M V U L A. And I know that Ash Sohn just did a gig with her with a full-blown orchestra and everything. But the album is called Sing to the Moon by Laura Mavula and very similar. This is one of those albums uh, like what Mike was just talking about where the drums are just not how I would think of it. And I think it's because their drummer is a composer. He's a director. Actually, the way that Ash got the gig playing live was this drummer was ended up being the um, conductor for the whole orchestra. Oh, so wow. he couldn't cool. play drums. Yeah. Um, find any drummer names? I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now and it doesn't say, but, but okay. it was it's, – it's a UK – She's a UK yes. artist. I don't know. If, yeah, it's, so. I, I can't remember his name, and, and Ash has told me a million times. And but what what I really love about the drumming is he's writing drum parts that that are orchestral, like but they're on a drum set. And every time I hear it, I'm like, God, I never would have thought to do that. That is so cool. That's so not what you would think would happen in this pop tune. Um, but she's also to me a modern day Fiona Apple as far as that she's pushing pop forward and pushing the art just past like commercial pop success, which is stuff that I love. I love when an artist goes for it and says, look, unfortunately we're going to sell 40,000 instead of 400,000, but those 40,000 are going to be dedicated fans for the rest of their lives. And they go for quality over quantity. And I, I love it. So let's give a listen to sing to the moon by Laura Mavula. Give back my soul and take my heart. All right, in the break, Mike and I were able to track it down. That's Troy Miller on drums, and his writing is just insane. And I can't fully um, say this for sure, but I'm pretty sure he's been her musical director for quite a while. So, um, And I love the fact that Troy Miller, her drummer, ends up being the conductor for the orchestra for this massive gig at Royal Albert Hall or whatever. And then out of all the drummers in the world, he calls Ash Sohn to replace himself. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, who do you call to replace yourself? That's a good question. E, that's a tough <laughs> thing, like, too. You know, you don't want, like, the artist to look back and be like, damn, it's never grooved this hard. And you're like, sorry about that. Um, but I think his real, besides his fantastic drumming and his texture, I think the real value that he brings to Laura Mavula is his writing. So absolutely incredible. Sing to the Moon by Laura Mavula. Hopefully that gives you guys a bunch of new albums to check out and just explore different genres of music. Now, let's get into somebody that I've been listening to for a long time uh, from Schofield's Up All Night album into all the stuff with Lettuce. I remember the first time I heard Rage by Lettuce, I was just like, what is this? This mm. is incredible. Same thing when I heard Up All Night by Schofield. I was like, uh, whoever's playing drums is quite hip. I didn't know it was a 17-year-old Adam Deitch. And then I instantly became a fan. And uh, we've had contact away from the drum world a little bit, just kind of texting back and forth. And he, he's just an incredible guy. So Adam Deitch is our featured artist, and he's got a new EP of hip-hop instrumentals. So do you do you know Adam personally? Uh, not not really. I mean, he did the, the festival years back. Yeah. But it's hard to get to know anybody when at the Modern Genre Festival because they're each person's True. kind of dialed into their own thing. they got to get their gear and all that. But, yeah, he 
he brought it though. I mean, he, we might have been was he our featured artist like a year or so ago? Maybe I don't remember, but could have been. But his I mean, new, it's pretty hard to cover the drum industry and not keep coming back to Adam Dyche. Yeah, I mean, when he's when guys just keep working. So the focus of the story for this particular feature in the November issue was on his hip hop instrumental record, which I couldn't find it on uh, Spotify or or iTunes, but it's on. Um, it's on SoundCloud, so you can just check okay. it out. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, I don't even – I don't think he really describes in the story how much of it is him actually playing and cutting up his own drumming versus programming or grabbing loops. But for me, I think that's the cool part. It's like it doesn't matter. It's just yeah. this is his vision. If it's this, good, it's good. Yeah, it's funky. It's groovy. It's it's pretty – I mean it's pretty hard-hitting. Um, so it's called I Get a Rush um, is the this particular EP. But you know the guys that just constantly rolling. I've never seen Lettuce live. Have you seen him? No, I've seen Soul live probably five or six times, and I've never had the chance to see Lettuce. And I have seen. I went and saw Adam in Sacramento. He was doing the. Uh, is it Break Science? That's his duo with the DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to. I went there specifically to hang with him. He he texted me. He's like, dude, I'm in Sacramento. Come on out. I was like, yeah, great. Came out put me on the list. Everything was good. And then I got in there. I was like, Oh, that's right. This music would draw a rave crowd. I don't want to be. And it's just a bunch of kids with glow sticks and edible jewelry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm out, man. So I, I I mean, it was incredible, but I stayed probably actually for about 20 to 30 minutes. There wasn't a single break. It's literally a rave. Yeah. You know, I mean, they don't have songs. Then thank the crowd. And this next song is inspired by my dog, Chester. Like (laughs) that doesn't happen. These cats literally play all night, and so I was like, yeah, "I don't think I'm going to be spending a lot of time with Adam." Uh, and there's, and I look like uh, either a stalker or a chaperone. Either yeah, way, it's yeah. not a good look. I'm out. Um, so, so that was the only time I got to see Adam play, but I have never seen Lettuce play. Uh, but I, I think, you know, if you if you love hard hitting funk. Without going, it's like one step removed from as far as being busy from going into the Tower of Power world, but super powerful horns. But the funk just drives. If you want to listen to some of that, check out Lettuce because you will just love it. The other thing I really like about Adam is, you know, when I saw that modern drummer thing, I thought, oh, okay, this guy clearly, or even just from the outset, I mean, he's got the hipster vibe. He's clearly into like extremely like funky hip music. And I'm thinking, Okay, well, this dude's just a self-taught drummer. And then he starts speaking, and he starts speaking of the heritage of his parents yeah, and right. yeah. you know all the musicians he grew up being around. And then he just keeps, like, as he's speaking, there's these little nuggets where you're like, oh, you're clearly deep into this stuff. Yeah. You're n- this isn't an accident. You put in the time. And then when he plays, it's just like, wow, man. I mean, unbelievable. I love his commitment to, to groove. I really think that, you know, maybe 15 years from now Adam will be recognized at that time as one of our Steve Jordans you know just a guy that cares about groove more than anything else and he already is that but I think just because of his age he's not getting the you know the credit or or just the time spent you know you have to do it for decades in a row to get that Steve Jordan kind of lore going but I think he'll be one of those guys for sure and the stuff he did if if you want to get into some drum nerd stuff definitely get up all night by John Schofield cuz yeah. he he really I think he pushed Sco forward in that by bringing that drum and bass and that breakbeat thing into Schofield's world. That was um, such a different sound for Sco at the time. 
Like yeah. I was so used to his his jazz group with Bill Stewart, or even kind of the more New Orleans kind of stuff that he had going on. But to hear him like bring like a a breakbeat element it was like whoa what is what's going on with Schofield like I was expecting him to be yeah. wearing like weird sunglasses and like, right yeah <laughs> changing but that was vibe. what was so cool is like <laughs> you know I'm like wait this can't be the same Schofield that I've been following like this can't <laughs> no that dude yeah but no. it's it's really hip and what I love about it too is it doesn't sound like it missed the mark like oh he tried to go for something and he didn't make the cut he actually totally accomplished what he's going for to yeah. hear drum and bass grooves and breakbeat grooves with jazz guitar it was like well I, I don't i don't really have a representation for that anywhere else besides up all night by schofield and um you know if you want to there's if you just want to start with any track just check out um watch out for popo uh by john schofield <laughs> from the up all night album watch out for popo they, uh, that track just kills it's like my um, as a skateboarder in a little small right? town yeah popo popo yeah <laughs> i'm sure that's what it's from uh but yeah adam deitch is a fantastic player and completely educated drummer and just somebody that is relentless the dude is working all the time and that's probably why we've covered him so much so check out his new ep what was it called again it's called i get a rush um i'm sure it'll be available everywhere but at the time in our show notes there's a link you can check it out on soundcloud um awesome that's it dig it all right well let's get into some gear so this is Somewhat rare for us. We don't cover a ton of percussion stuff, but we're going to be covering the LP Uptown Sculpted Ash Congas. Now, this takes me back in the past, just like last episode. I mean, I kind of feel like we need to include some Mike Johnston on the Dave Letterman show playing congas with filter, just so people know (laughs) I'm a professional percussionist. (laughs) I mean, I... At least according to Filter, when they said, do you play percussion? I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, quite heavily studied. <laughs> uh, if it gets me on the Dave Letterman show, I do. I can learn it in the hotel later tonight. Um, well, they think, said, yeah, uh, rock and roll do you have is a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? As long as you have a slap, you're all good. I I was told much later. Well, luckily for me, in that situation, all I had to do was cover the the parts that they had kind of programmed and they just said we would instead of running that loop we just wish somebody was playing it so luckily i had a template if they said come up with a conga part for our rock song <laughs> i would have been quite lost but <laughs> been quite lost indeed that reminds me of my, my my kind of funk chili peppers type band in high school we had to have a percussionist because that's what everyone did in the in the 90s right yeah. But the dude had zero technique. He just wanted to be in a band so he could dance around like the crazy guy in Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Remember that dude? Perfect. Yeah, well, absolutely. That was his role, but we gave him some congas. <laughs> <laughs> but it, obviously we played without mics a lot of times, so he couldn't. His hands were just blowing up. So he, he went oh. to those. Someone was making those like leather slapper things at one yeah, point. Yeah, I totally remember that. Yeah. yeah, they didn't quite work, and then he ended up just using timpani mouths, just wailing on the thing. Oh, <laughs> That's no good. That's no good. But all he wanted to do was just get up there and, and jump around like a maniac. Yeah, he's your boy. I, I get it. I get it. Well, if he would have had the uptown congas, maybe it would have been a little bit better. I, I was actually, uh, without being sales guy, I was actually kind of shocked at the price of these because they look like full-on professional-grade congas, but they're fairly affordable for a set of congas. They um, are. I mean, they're, they're <clears throat> excuse me, they're LPs kind of like classic professional conga series, like the... I can't remember what the original. Yeah, they're called Classic Model. It's like what they started their company with. Mm-hmm. But these have like an extra veneer of a textured ash, like a 
dark stained ash on the outside. So okay. it makes them look much more fancy, but they're they're standard but professional, you know, grade congas. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I kind of made the mistake early on of buying cheap congas when I was, you know, going to college and I was going to join the salsa band and had to play all this Afro-Cuban music. Right. And the problem for me with the cheap stuff is to get a good conga tone, you really have to tighten them up pretty darn high and the cheap stuff the hardware just explodes it doesn't yeah it doesn't yeah. work and you know it's it's definitely something i mean i still as much fun as we were making of it i still actually um practice uh, teach congas and practice i've got them like right behind me here um and it's funny when you play a like a congeros congas when you play somebody that actually does this for a living even just tapping around you're like these are so easy to play yeah and it's right, like yeah yeah they're a thousand a piece man like <laughs> yeah. you know but but i mean there's but it's also too it's it's almost like a jazz drummer's snare head where it's like yeah it took a decade to get them yeah. to feel and right. to play like this and you have to really put in the time but when i saw the i mean the list on the quinto is like 399 mm-hmm. uh just so you guys know if, if you're not aware you have Quinto Conga Tumbadero or Tumba. And so that's like small, medium, and large size congas. So it starts as the Quinto is 11 inches, and then you go up to a 12.5 for a Tumba. Um, and usually you're going to see people playing, if they're not like a professional conga player, you're going to see them playing two of those. So it's either the Quinto and the conga or the conga and the Tumba, just depending on the tones they're trying to get. But a good feel um, from the conga is incredible. And I remember when this came out from LP and it's it's definitely on this set it changed the game for me uh which was the comfort curve you know that yeah. comfort curve rim yep man totally because it used to have the when bolt I've, on top yeah and you just like you just have blood flying all over the yeah place. man well dude and uh so the I can't remember which congas I played on the Letterman show but it was like from SIR there were rentals in New York yeah and the Letterman show is traditionally kept at about 55 degrees to keep all the guests, you know, on top of their game. But as a somebody that's slapping the hell out of congas in a rock band, whew, it was painful. So the comfort curve was a game changer. Uh, do you remember like that? I mean, the gong bops have like single flanged rims, yeah, you know, in right. the beginning. And I was yeah. like, hey. Um, and so, yeah, so these are going to be, especially if you're somebody that's just starting out with percussion, you're going to have a professional sound with these. definitely a professional look, but most importantly, they're going to be comfortable to play. So if you're learning, when you're learning your slap, you're going to be in a little bit of pain. Like, yeah, exactly. And you can't learn a slap on those like tiny, because those like cheap kind of beginner congas are small. And if you have anything like a medium or a large hand, you're not, you can't get a good slap on those things. Agreed. And you know, with the slap, pretty much what you're doing is you're slamming like the heel of your hand into something and then telling your fingers, Oh, don't tighten up. Go ahead and just flop down. Yeah. And your fingers are like, uh, no, we just got hurt. We're going to tense up yeah. as much as we can. <laughs> um, once you get a slap down, it's like hitting the perfect drive in golf or hitting a home run in baseball. You don't feel it at all, but yeah. to learn it, whoo, man, and my buddy, uh, my buddy Arturo from, he was born in Cuba, but he lives in New York. Now he was telling me about how they studied hand drumming. They learned how to slap on their desk. You could not get a conga drum until you could get a good slap sound on your Man. desk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, that probably didn't go well for the microphone that's sitting on the desk, but I couldn't not try it. Yeah, and so uh, then... Yeah, man, I could see that. Whoa, what the heck just happened? Was that you? What? Like, Jay-Z just came pumping through my <laughs> earphones. <laughs> that was definitely not me. <laughs> that was not one of my top five albums of all time. That was amazing. So anyway... 
<laughs> he, that was really brought to you weird. by. <laughs> so he, you know, he. But then you shake Arturo's hand, and, and it's like he can crush the bones in your in your hand very easily. Yeah, man. But so yeah, yeah there's no shortcut. You got to like spend time with you it. You got to do it. Yeah, well, definitely, guys, check out the LP. I'm assuming we don't have any audio of this. No, you don't want to hear me uh, muff <laughs> slaps. <laughs> I mean, they. But I will say these were awesome drums. I've used LP uh, classic models forever. They're, they're heavy. They're heavy drums. They're not ones that you can just okay. like, you know, throw and carry two down the street to your gig. They're they're full, yeah. you know, real professional congas. I thought the ash was just an awesome look. Just something different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they they look fantastic, and it, but yeah, you got <laughs> think about guys, especially for you drummers out there. Think about a fourteen by six and a half stave oak drum. Now just yeah. turn that into a giant conga. <laughs> yeah. That's how heavy it's going to be. It's a stave oak conga <laughs> with a, with ash on with an ash veneer. So yeah, these they are heavy, but luckily as a gigging drummer that you know or a gigging percussionist, there's only two of them usually, yeah. unless you have three. Then that's yeah. two trips to the car. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah there's no audio, but uh, I think they got some demos of some legit players on their website. You can check them out. But I think every nice. drummer should have a nice set of congas because, like I was saying, you can if you get the cheap stuff, you're gonna they're not gonna sound good. You're not gonna get good sounds. The hardware is gonna blow off. So just agree. get some good congas, and it's it's like nothing else. And these I was able to really crank and get that like Giovanni Hidalgo sound. Yeah, man. Like that, I mean, that's so there. much fun. Because then the slap gets a lot easier. Yeah, it's just you everything know, just I mean, sounds right. It's like, dang. Yeah. These are good. But you can't do that with, with lesser grade. They just won't go that high. The heads just stretch out and right. strip. So. Well, for all of our percussionist listeners, there's a nice 10 minutes of two <laughs> drum set players trying to talk <laughs> about congas. You know what? Also, I don't know about what your hand shape is. Mine is kind of like like lanky. My hands are kind of just weird. Okay. And he has kind of sh- like shorter, more kind of blocky hands. Okay. And and his, I mean, he can get a a slap on a drum that's like makes your ears bleed. And I think part of it is is physically the shape the of your shape. hand. Like I, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, when you see Giovanni play, you know, it, it looks like these little like bear paws, right? Yeah, and it's just paws. That's a good it, way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just shorter fingers. Um, and I mean, I'm not like able to see anything other than what i see on video but when he's playing i'm just like god it looks like his hands are custom built to be a, <laughs> right. a, a hand a hand percussionist it's it's pretty incredible stuff all right well check out the lp uptown sculpted ash congas and like i said especially if you're looking for a professional sound at a affordable price those look to be it all right let's get into some listener questions okay i think this is the last of the batch that have been here for a while so we've got a you know a slew of new ones that we'll start getting through next week but Nice. This one is, um, let's see, let's start with Jake. He says, this question is about endorsements. I'm in a band that is becoming more popular, and I'm wondering when it is appropriate to start going after some different companies. What's the best way to do this? Should I have my manager contact companies? Should I contact companies? Any info would help. You should not have your manager contact companies unless your manager has an in where he has a friend, he or she has a friend at the company, that's a different situation. But I would never allow that. These companies are so small. They're family networks, and they don't want to be contacted by a young drummer's management. Um, they want to know that you want to be part of their family, that you're invested in their company. I would highly suggest that whoever you're trying to talk to, you should already be playing their gear because these companies are looking for people that are committed to the product and want to be a part of that. And then you also need to realize that no matter how big your band is, 
that's not really anymore what companies are looking for. They're looking for you to have influence over what other drummers buy through your own social media channels and through your separation from the band as an artist yourself. So, uh, you know, the idea of a drummer that plays for Britney Spears behind a curtain, probably not a worthwhile artist to, to many of the companies compared to a drummer that is either has a massive social media following Somebody like Luke Holland comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, he he puts right. up a new video. It's got a million views. That dude's got a cheese it endorsement. Yep. Dang, yep. it's next level. <laughs> so, so I think the key is it's great to have endorsements, especially as a touring drummer and as your band's getting bigger. Because as a touring drummer, you're going to go through gear fairly fast, especially if it's anything that's a little heavy hitting. But you also have to have influence over what other drummers think and want to buy. That's what makes you valuable to the company. Uh, so if you can find a balance of brand loyalty, being a good person, and also make sure you let the artist rep know that you are not looking for free gear, you're not looking for a handout, you're looking for a an association with that company so that you can grow together. And as your popularity grows, then your endorsement can grow. I have nothing more to say other than just be honest and be real with people. That's about it. Every time. Dealing. I mean, yep. I think that's true with any business endeavor whatsoever. If you come at me with a resume and start talking all these guarantees, my my eyes glaze over and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But if we just have a nice conversation that goes 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to remember you. You know, I'm going to answer your phone calls. I'm going to get back to your email. So yeah. just be real. I mean, that's with everything, I think. Just be real. Be honest. Um, you know, and you'll be all right. And play there the hell out of the drums. That always helps. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, be good. All right. So that is okay. Let's go. Um, this one's from Nick. He says, um, "I'm very close to finishing writing my own educational book for the drum set, and I'm wondering if you might be able to offer advice regarding how to publish it, uh, mm. whether a publishing house or self-publishing." Well, you're self-published. Largely, yep. right? So, I mean, you, Everything. you've yeah. seen the success of that, and, and Modern Drummer has seen the success of, of dealing with writers and being the publisher. So I think it's my observation. There is either one could work. It just depends. If you already have your audience, you already have the people, you know, you know how many you can sell, and you're good at designing stuff, and you have you can edit your text, and you don't need – you know, don't need us, then do it yourself. If you're, we have other writers who just, they have content and they don't They don't want to have to deal with anything else. They don't want to deal with finale. They don't want to deal with InDesign. They don't want to deal with PDFs, any of that, or editing the text. I mean, the book that I edited for Ari Honig, he essentially just sent me like sketches of ideas and I had to kind of create the book out of it. Wow. Okay. And it worked out great because I knew exactly what he wanted, but I just had to make, you know, turn into sentences. Um, right. So, it just depends. I mean, if you've got the whole book ready to go and it's just essentially give it to someone to publish, then just do it yourself because you're going to – so you have to figure out how many copies can you sell on your own versus how many copies could a major publisher sell for you. Yeah. And then the 15% versus the 85% or whatever you have to figure out. The yeah, I would say so. on self-publishing, you're looking at probably close to 50%. Um, or no, you're right. It's actually probably 60 to 65%. But my thought has always been this, 65% – of a hundred copies sold versus 20% of 10,000 copies yeah, sold. Exactly. And you have to, just like Mike said, you have to decide, do you have the audience to pull the self publishing thing off? 
self-publishing something means that no one knows it's there. So I've always looked at publishing not as publishing. I've looked at it as a distribution deal. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. sign with Modern Drummer Publishing so they will get my book in front of people that I can't reach on my own. If I feel that my audience and Modern Drummer's audience is very similar, then self-publishing is the way to go. I've always done the self-publishing thing because – I just like to be in control end to end. Um, it's yeah. a very flawed Steve Jobs approach, but it's just end to end control. I want to I want to know that the success is on my back and the failure is on my back as yeah. well. And we would um, know that. I mean, within that conversation, we would know that because be like, all right, well, then what can I do for you aside from just grammar checking and fact checking your content? Right. But then you could just hire me as an independent editor, and you don't need totally the full scale. I mean, because what publisher brings is a design team and a marketing team right. and. So if you're going to do it all on your own, then just do it all on your own. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is don't try to double end it. If you self-publish and sell to all of your fans and then you bring it to a publisher, you just cost the publisher that first bulk of a thousand copies that you would have that they would have sold. Yeah. They're not going to take it. They're like, well, wait, everyone that follows you already bought it. So now you just want us to sell it to like the remainder people of that have never heard of you. So <laughs> I would choose one, but Mike is right. If, if you just want to write the educational content of it and then have someone else do the rest, that's worth giving up some royalties in order to get a professional product out there. If you've already got it end to end, then self publish. All right. Do one more here. We've got, this is from Dario. Um, I get a lot of commenting, a lot of comments about not having the basics of drumming. I started out listening to music and drumming when I was 15, and I started out listening to Iron Maiden and those types of things, and later got into prog rock and jazz and then fusion. I didn't really have a period of growing up with the rock classics like Led Zeppelin or the blues, and it was like I got into the advanced stuff too early and started experimenting with a lot of things. I feel good about, about my drumming. I have a band. I practice a lot, and of course I can play simple and steady, but it's almost never an aesthetic choice. I want to push the boundaries all the time. So, do you think it is necessary to listen to the classics of music in order to be a better drummer? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, yeah, my answer would be yes, you should listen to everything and absorb everything and, and right. learn to like everything. I mean, I... I've, how many times have I said that the first jazz record I bought was was John Coltrane, A Love Supreme, and I absolutely hated it for probably ten years. <laughs> like, but I kept yeah. putting it on, and I kept putting it on, and now it's like my Desert Island record. If there's one record I could listen to for the rest of my life, it's A Love Supreme. So, don't give up too soon. Um, and he also he also mentions, uh, for example, I really like Donnie Mc, McCaslin's group with Mark Giuliano on drums. Yeah. So if that's your reference point. Mark is a serious student of all eras of drumming. I mean, he knows he can appreciate the art of Chad Smith and Dave Grohl just as much as he can Bill Bruford and, and the most advanced drummers on earth. So, agreed. Yeah. My opinion is yes, study it all and learn to. F there's nuances and details in what you think is easy and simple that is actually incredibly difficult that I think might not be obvious right away. So, that would be my, yeah. my caution. I think there's also a lineage that you won't – it's it's not a surface thing, but if you listen – like the album you mentioned that we didn't quite get to, the Bob Marley album. Yeah. There's so much stuff between that and Led Zeppelin albums that would be like, oh, so everything I like is in here. You know, It's just 
that being able to push that upbeat, the the one drop vibe of creating. I mean, to me, a one drop, especially a one drop fill, it's not about some reggae thing. It's about tension and release. Mm. And it's like, okay, well then just take that and move that over to whatever genre you like. But if you listen to Bob Marley, Led Zeppelin, and early Chili Peppers, Donnie McCaslin's the drumming that Mark's playing will make even more sense. And you'll be like, oh. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's yeah. not that Mark was out there listening to the most complex thing and trying to figure out how to bring it in. Mark is actually just one of the most studied people I've ever met when it comes to the fundamentals of drumming. And when you have the fundamentals down from our classics, that's what gives you the freedom to break all the rules and do anything you want because you're so grounded in the fundamentals. So I think that listening to the classics is definitely a benefit. Yeah. I mean, we can go on and on because it's, it's, again, it's like, do whatever the hell you want to do, but you know, it's like, how deep do you want to really go with it? It's <laughs> the ultimate so, question. It's so right down the middle. Like do whatever the hell you want to do, but listen to us first. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if we were your mentors, we would say learn to you know eat your vegetables. <laughs> you gotta yep, eat gotta, your vegetables, absolutely. And you will. And while doing that, you'll find some things that are dessert friendly. So, all right, guys, thanks for your listener questions. Please keep sending them in to mdinfo@moderndrummer.com. Just one final reminder: if you are interested in attending the 2018 Drum Camp with myself. Mike Dawson and Carter McLean, send us an email to mdinfo@moderndrummer.com and just put in the subject drum camp all right it is time for picks of the week do you want me to go or you want to go mine's super diy want me to go with that first go go. all right so i've i've been doing this a couple a couple records for artists who both want the same aesthetic they want kind of 70s fleetwood mac kind of sounds uh Hmm. so i'm just trying to i was like how can i set up my kit to be consistent so if i throw normally if i throw a tea towel over the toms or something by the end of one or two takes that towel's kind of slid all over the place and i can't the next day i can't get the exact same sound from the toms Hmm. so i just got a box of black binder clips (laughs) like those simple black paper clips and i use that and i clip on old white t-shirts that don't fit me anymore i cut those up drape those over like a third of the toms Use the black two black binder clips to hold it onto the hoop. Never moves. Didn't have to buy anything. Dang. All good. Sounds great. Sounds like Fleetwood Mac right away. Done. Dude. <laughs> so get some binder clips and recycle your old grimy yellow stained white t shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why anyone's T-shirts ever make it to that level because they are $4 a piece. <laughs> I throw mine out pretty early, but whatever, man. I get it. I get it. Dude, I've it's got shirts that are just... probably a decade old. <laughs> nice. Nice, man. Uh, that, that's awesome. That, I think that's really cool. Uh, and and it's, it's funny. As many amazing products are out there, there's nothing quite like a, a T-shirt or, or a piece of cloth on a drum. Yeah. It's just exactly. this weird – I mean – if you, and if you don't know what Mike and I are talking about, just type in uh, Tiny Desk Concert to YouTube, and almost every drummer on there will have like a towel over their snare right, or whatever yeah. to keep it keep the volume down. But it has it takes away all the sharpness to it and gives it that old 70s thuddy sound. It's really cool. Yeah, and there's really the, fun and to play there's with. A, it's weird because if you just so – at least for me, if I throw a whole towel or something over the drum, it's like there's nothing there. There's like there's a nothing. fine yeah. line between where does it stop ringing and just enough. It kind of sounds like a little bass drum or like a marching bass drum or something versus being completely dead. And then yeah. once once you find that sweet for me, once I find that sweet spot, it's like, all right, I've got to get this towel to stay there and never move. Because if it moves gotcha. a half inch one way or the other, it's totally done. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Awesome. Great pick. All right, my pick is a little bit more on the nutritional aspect. So we have a lot of students that come here for camp, and they say, hey, I'm trying to get off of the coffee addiction or or maybe trying to break free of soda, but I still need something to drink. Can I try your tea? And I'm like, because I always have bottles of green tea here. And I'm like, yeah, but the stuff I drink is pretty pretty green tea it's i don't i don't know if you're going to dig the it's not black tea it's not sweetened it's straight you know clippings from someone's front yard tastes like <laughs> just fresh cut grass i drink the hardcore stuff so i give them a bottle they drink it and they go like oh screw this like sticking with coffee i'm sticking with soda so my pick of the week is called mighty leaf tropical green tea uh you can get it they come in nice silk bags so this is high quality tea but Unlike having to buy it loose leaf and you have to have a you know a tea strainer and then there's leaves everywhere, this this comes in silk bags. So you're gonna be fine. It's like it's five or six bucks at Target. It's not gonna cost you a lot. You can find it at Whole Foods or Target or any grocery store. Mighty Leaf Green Tea Tropical. It's totally unsweetened. It's a light green tea. It's lightly caffeinated, so it has just a little bit of caffeine, especially if you're trying to replace soda or coffee, but not so much that you're gonna be jittery or anything like that. It won't keep you up at night. But because of the tropical thing, I'm assuming they probably have little cut up pieces of pineapple or something in there. There's a little hint of fruitiness without being sweetened that will and it's it's a light green and it's a little bit fruity. So it's going to be that a perfect bridge for those of you that are trying to make the move over to green tea. Also, we just had someone here at camp said, I've completely switched to green tea. I don't really feel a lot. And I said, oh, which one are you drinking? He's like "Uh, the Arizona one. And I'm like, oh, you mean the sugar with the, the I'm like no Arizona's not tea <laughs> oh That's, like no. Arizona oh yeah 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 and I'm like oh you mean the one with 86 grams of sugar the, the, the two Snickers bars that they melted into a can and then put some tea on top that's not what I'm talking about this is for the people that are trying to get free of their Starbucks drinks or trying to get free of the soda addiction this would be a good bridge into getting into green tea or teas in general so Mighty Leaf Green Tea Tropical probably between five and seven dollars at your grocery store dig it have you ever tried to go off caffeine well, I would say green tea is the That's, only caffeine that I have. Okay. Um, and when I do go off of that, like if I'm traveling and don't bring anything with me, it's not a problem. From what I understand, and maybe we could have some of our medical folks chime in on this, there's an addictive substance with caffeine combined with the coffee bean that is uh, actually what creates that addiction. It's not the caffeine itself. No um, kidding. So, um, and, and also green tea. So for those of you that don't know anything about tea, which why should you? There, there is no green tea leaf. There is no white tea leaf. All tea is tea. The white tea, green tea, and black tea is the age of the leaf and how it's processed. So white tea has the least amount of caffeine. Green tea has – green tea is the peak of the leaf as far as the nutrient content of it. And the catechins, I believe, is what they're called, which are the antioxidants and the cancer-fighting properties. So the green tea is the peak of that. And then black tea is like the peak of the caffeine of it. So ah. – there you go. Yeah. Little tidbits. There you go. I had two cups of coffee last night and then went straight to bed. So caffeine does not affect me Keep at all. Up. That but is beautiful. Like, why do I even drink that, that stuff? That, that could be a tolerance <laughs> thing, buddy. You might be like right around the corner from a heroin addict, it's which like, is fine, man. It just doesn't which is do fine. Anything. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, but yeah, so so uh, if you want to check it out, that's that would be a good. That's probably. If I was going to give somebody green tea for the first time, that's the one I would give them, where they would go like, oh, this is pretty – it actually tastes good. So Nice. So the company is Mighty Leaf. The product is Mighty green Leaf. tea tropical. Yep. On it. There you go. There you go. 
All righty, everybody. Thank you so much. Keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast. And thanks for being on this journey with us. We're having a blast doing it. So uh, episode 100 and something in the can. Do you have any idea what this is? 115. 115. 115. Nice. All right, buddy. I will see you next time. All right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.